it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, and welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. This week, we focus on International Guide Dog Day. On the 28th of April is International Guide Dog Day, and it's an opportunity to focus on what guide dogs mean to those who use them and what guide dog access means to members of the public, taxi drivers, rideshare drivers, and uh, restaurant owners, etc., etc. I spoke with Kim Ryan, who's Program Manager with Guide Dog Services in Tasmania, and also Graham Innes, who is no stranger to this program and has been a guide dog user for over 20 years. Welcome to the program and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Vaughan. Thank you for having us. Does either one of you want to start by talking about what International Guide Dog Day means to guide dog users and maybe particularly to yourselves? Uh, Well, to me, it's just a recognition of the Um, importance that uh, my guide dogs have played in my life. So I've never actually got involved in the events around it too much. Um, I could have, I suppose, but um, it's just like those international days that, um, that, that occur, but they make you uh, pause and think about the importance of the the guide dog, uh, the the role that it plays in, in my life. And, uh, uh, and the value, the benefit that it brings for me. So I, th- I think they're important. And, and I also think they're important for um, uh, members of the community to, to raise awareness about guide dogs and, and what guide dogs uh, uh, can do and, and, you know, how they work. W- what do you think, Kim? Yeah, I'm with you, Graham. It's a great chance to celebrate the unique partnership that we give the clients with their guide dogs. Um, But from an organisational view, it's a really important time where we can create that awareness and target the current issues that are happening between guide dog handlers and the public. Um, So creating that sort of media buzz and awareness and letting people know what it's all about as well. Um, And time for us as guide dog mobility instructors to sit back and really acknowledge just what a guide dog does for the client and yeah, just yeah. what it means to that client. And I suppose the other thing to, to um, reinforce with the public things like, you know, not trying to pat the dog when it's working and uh, those sorts of important messages, uh, it just provides a platform for those. Certainly does. I've just been on a phone call prior to this, um, talking to the local radio up here and getting them ready and and also we've got paper uh, newspapers calling us tomorrow so mm. everyone seems to approach us now as well which is great um, and we can certainly target those areas uh, what to do around a guide dog what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing I suppose Vaughan there might be people listening to the program who um, who don't know much about guide dogs I wonder um, whether it might be a good idea for you to um, chat a bit about you know what the dogs do, what the dogs don't do. Um, I haven't yet trained mine to uh, make the coffee, sadly, but uh, she does lots (laughs) of other good stuff. Yeah, look, I I can certainly talk from my experience. I'm on my fourth dog now, and um, I can honestly say that this is 
easily the best one I've ever had. And, you know, I think the thing for me um, about being a guide dog user is for me, everything is about speed. I I hate waiting for anything and I hate taking a long time to get anywhere. And particularly since moving down to Tasmania, the footpaths here are quite rough and you get quite a number of um, cane jabs in the guts uh, Mm. if you're using a white cane. And because I walk very fast, um, it happens quite frequently. So, um, I, I think for me, the, the thing about having a guide dog is being able to get from A to B smoothly and quickly um, and avoiding obstacles and not having to worry so much about getting those um, those canes, you know, those cane jabs. Um, and also, I really enjoy the challenge of being able to work with a dog and um, achieve the end result um, yep. as part of a partnership. I mean, I've always been a good cane traveler, but I think for me, um, it's about developing that partnership and, and working in tandem to, to get where you want to go. Um, and for me, that presents, I guess, in some respects, more of a challenge than using a cane would. Um, and I think mm. that's what I really enjoy. Kim, from your perspective as an instructor, you know, there are so many reasons why people get guide dogs. What do you think are some of the most interesting? Well, it's been an interesting year of feedback from clients at the moment too because some hidden benefits have sort of come out that we hadn't thought of before. So we've actually had one client comment to us recently that the physio is even more impressed now that she's got a guide dog because the cane was actually causing pain and muscle fatigue and that wasn't even thought of when she thought to come to us for a guide dog and he's saying she's much more upright her posture is better and she's not having to have as many treatments and the headaches so that was sort of a hidden benefit for that one client um and then i've also had some clients that have had a guide dog and have gone back to the cane because a guide dog just wasn't the ideal for them so it's personal choice um but i think they each have their unique benefits um Guide dogs are certainly smoother with mobility. Uh, Clients commenting they don't pinball down the footpath anymore from obstacle to obstacle. Um, And as you mentioned, Vaughan, much smoother in their travel. But a lot of them are also getting them to motivate themselves to get out and do things. Um, Whereas I guess with a cane, it's not sort of nudging you and saying, let's get out, let's go and do something, where a dog's sort of getting them out of the door as well. So it's that motivation to get the confidence to go out and do things. Um, I love walking and that's one of the huge benefits for me of having a guide dog that um, I can just go out and walk and it's a relaxing, pleasant, enjoyable experience rather than a full-on concentration experience, which it is with the, with the white cane. Um, and um, so that, that makes a big difference for me. And I, I travel quite a bit, well, I used to before COVID um, and I'm starting to again. And just having a dog walk you through um, Gold Coast Airport where I now live is a long, um, noisy, busy, object-filled building. Being able to walk off a plane, walk through that door off the tarmac and then walk through the whole building and out to the taxi rank without a hitch, it's just so good. I just I get mm-hmm. so excited every time it happens. Graham, do you remember um, when you got your first guide dog what your motivation was and whether it met your expectations? I was getting busier and busier in my career. I was finding the uh, the work and the level of work and the level of work pressure, um, plus the, the trip to work and the trip home more and more tiring. And I, I wanted to take some stress out of my life. So my aim was to um, 
get a dog that would, um, you know, take make make the travel process easier. It doesn't take away. You've still got to keep all your O and M skills. Um, you know, you make the decisions about crossing roads and about where you're going to go. And um, I mean, when you're on a familiar route, the guide dog sort of does it all. But if you're going somewhere uh, with which you're not familiar. Um, you've got to do all the, the navigation and the direction. But for me, it just took the stress out of travel. And yes, it did meet my expectations. And it certainly met the expectations of my then uh, baby daughter who had a new animal to play with. She thought it was fantastic. <laughs> my experience was um, sort of almost the opposite. I Ever since I was a kid, I thought about getting a guide dog, but I decided it wasn't ready for me because I was perfectly comfortable traveling around with my cane. And then I somebody suggested it and I thought, you know what, I have got nothing better to do at the moment. Let's give it a go. And it didn't work out well um, for quite a number of reasons, but I really enjoyed the challenge of it. And eventually, um, after close to three years, I did develop a really good working relationship with that dog. For me, the thing that kept me going, as I said before, was the, the challenge because I wasn't going to let it defeat me. Um, and I really wanted to work at making the whole partnership thing work um, and developing new skills within myself and, and within the dog. Yeah. It was a big adjustment for me, I remember, because uh, I was in my early 40s, I think, when I got my first dog. So I'd been a, a very effective cane user until that time. And um, not having that cane to, to test, you know, hanging onto this handle and thinking, Oh bloody hell! I've I've just got to keep going here, and I'm I'm putting a lot of trust in this dog. Um, that was a bit scary at first. I remember that, and I did have to sort of push through that. But um, once the trust started to develop, and I really um, became confident with uh, the dog and the dog's movements, and the fact that uh, you know, she wasn't going to run me into things, it just became a great experience for me. I, I've loved it ever since. Mm. Kim, as an instructor, how do you encourage people to make that leap? Um, in terms of trusting the animal instead of their own, um, I guess, their own inbuilt skills? It's a huge one, and it's one I've been talking to recently. With We've got a lot of first-time handlers coming on, and I, I smiled when Graham was mentioned trust because that's the big thing. They've gone from making all the decisions themselves with a cane um, to then having to trust that the dog has made the right decisions. So why is the dog move me to the left? Why is the dog moving to me, me to the right? Should I follow this? And you see so many of them sort of continue in their straight line of travel and not go with that dog. And me saying, follow your arm, follow your arm. Yeah. And I think it's just a lot of reassurance and a lot of walking. And then suddenly you see it in the client, you see the client's sort of aha moment. Um, mm, yep. If I go this way and I follow this dog, I'm getting from A to B a, a little bit smoother. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And as I said before, there's also the benefits from with the cane, but the biggest thing after I think trusting the dog is learning to read your environment differently and I don't know if you both felt the same but your cane actually provides a lot of tactual feedback from the ground um, a lot of clients use an obstacle that they hit into every single day as a landmark and the dogs are moving you around that you're not getting yeah. that tactual feedback and suddenly yeah. you've got to almost relearn that as well um, so it's a big challenge but one that's highly worthwhile um, to undertake. And I think that companionship and having something by your side, once you've put the trust in it, just is wonderful relationship and a wonderful eight-year commitment with that dog. 
Yeah. One of the downsides, and it's a minor downside, is the fact that you don't um, know your environment as well. You sort of pass through rather than finding out about. Um, and it's much faster. I agree with what you said, Vaughan. But, um, you know, I've walked through places and just not known that things were there until I'd gone through with a cane and thought, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't know that brick wall was there. We just um, walked around that very easily or whatever. So, yeah, you don't know as quite as much, but I don't think it's a big problem. And I think the thing that um, I found most important too was to actually have the freedom to say, you know what, I'm not going to take the dog today. I am going to mm. use my cane today. And, yeah. and there are a whole lot of reasons why you might choose to do that. But one yeah. of them for me is, you know what, I've just got to get something done. My dog's having a bit of an off time just at the moment and I don't feel like having the battle. Um, or it could be, um, and, and we're going to come a come up against this uh, in just a couple of minutes but it could be for example I'm only going somewhere very very briefly and I don't want to have the have the agony of potentially being refused access to a taxi or a restaurant or or whatever so you know I know many people who um, have had guide dogs and always take them everywhere they go and they'll say I will never use my cane again because I've got this dog but I'm not one of those people and I think um for me, that gives me that sense of understanding my environment because I often yep. go the same places with my dog and with my cane, um, and they give me two lots of totally different feedback. I'm the same as you, and that's why I noticed the difference in knowledge of my environment because when you do go with a cane, um, you do find out more stuff about your environment, and I'll often choose not to take my dog. I certainly don't take her when I'm going out with my wife or one of uh, you know a family member or often even a friend. If I'm going to walk with them most of the time, uh, then I'm very happy to use my cane in the in the bits where, where I won't, and, um, and so I don't take the dog because, frankly, um, in that sort of context, it's just a much more relaxed experience. Um, and um, both for me and for my wife, if we're going out together, um, you know, to wherever we might be going, we'll, we'll just um, go that way. Uh, so I agree with you, Vaughan. I don't. I, I see people who take their dog everywhere, and I sort of wonder why you necessarily need to do that. And it's an individual decision and I'm not critical of anyone, but I certainly like to have the two options. Yeah. Um, and, and access is a reason, you're right. Um, and I have thought about not taking my dog. When I'm going somewhere, I know I'm going to catch a cab there and a cab back or a ride share there and a ride share back. And I just have to um, you know, walk down a path or up a set of stairs, stairs and into an office. I often won't take the dog. Part of the reason is because I know that... Um, there are issues with some drivers uh, uh, refusing access. Yeah, Kim, would you care to comment on that from your perspective as, a, as an instructor? It's fantastic that people keep up their cane skills, mainly because, yes, you're going to want to have that choice. Um, do I wear my red top or my blue top out today? Uh, do I take the car or do I walk to work? So it's giving you that choice of whether I take the dog or take the cane. But also your dog is going to have times when it's unwell, when it's not going to be able to do it. And as you said, some of our clients are getting really anxious about having to think about having access issues to actually get to places with their dogs. So I think it's fantastic that people keep up their cane skills as well. Mm. In terms of access, we seem to be, unfortunately... It comes in waves, it seems to be here, um, and another wave coming through of people just not understanding the laws around taking our dogs. And by limiting a client access to ability to catch a 
taxi or a rideshare somewhere, the ability to comfortably ring up and just book a hotel and go away with their family. It's just making them feel disheartened, anxious, worried about the actual trip from from day one so they don't do it they don't go out they stay home and that's not why we teach mobility that's not why we provide a guide dog it's to increase independence and get them into the community and these access issues creating such an anxiety with our clients is is really sad to see well, it is. And I mean, the law is really clear on this subject and uh, d- uh, guide dogs, uh, assistance animals are entitled to go anywhere. I think the two exemptions in New South Wales are surgical wards in hospitals, and that's very understandable where people have open wounds and um, and zoos. And, uh, and that's just because of distraction and uh, reaction by other uh, animals. But um, everywhere else that's a public place, um, guide dogs are entitled to go. And as you say, Kim, when people are refused um, access to uh, taxis and Uber, rideshare and, uh, and and hotels and accommodation facilities and restaurants, I've had uh, uh, several restaurant refusals over the years, um, then some people, not me, to be honest, because I'm, I'm a pretty determined tall white guy mm-hmm. who knows discrimination law so i'm going to force the issue but a lot of people aren't like me and i totally um, understand that and and it is discouraging and disheartening and um, it means that they can't get the benefit from their uh, from their dog guide uh, that they should if people didn't treat them that way yeah, I, I think it's really sad, and as you said, the law is unequivocal. And I've mm. done I've done in recent uh, months uh, because of a number of times that I've been refused access to Uber. Uh, some research, and particularly here in Tasmania, um, which has a reputation for having uh, one of the strongest, if not the strongest, anti discrimination law on guide dog access in the country. Yep. The fine is about yep. three and a half thousand dollars, and that's a fairly mm. significant fine. Yeah. Um, And it does kind of make you wonder why some of these drivers and some of these restaurant owners are actually flying in the face of this. You know, a $3,500 fine uh, makes it an awfully expensive uh, opening of a restaurant for a few hours on a night, doesn't it? A lot of people just refuse because they don't know that it's Mm. against the law. Um, And uh, I've had many conversations which have begun with a refusal and I've turned it around either by um, explaining that that it is against the law to refuse um, and uh, I had one funny incident in a restaurant where uh, the restaurant owner um, took a vote amongst uh, all the other customers to see whether the dog should be allowed in and uh, the dog won with a very large majority so we went into that restaurant um, but um, uh, you know so I think a lot of it is just lack of knowledge um, and then I think there are minor situations where um, where for uh, people assume that uh, they don't want to get um, dog hair or uh, whatever in their in their vehicle um, I know a lot of it gets put down to uh, people's uh, religious beliefs my sense is that that's a very small uh, portion of the um, of the refusals that we get um, and I've done some research on that and in fact there's a real variety of views amongst religious leaders, um, particularly uh, leaders 
of the Muslim faith where um, guide dogs are, uh, or animals, dogs, are not regarded as, uh, as clean, as it were. And there have been a number of senior religious leaders who have said that um, they've ruled that there's an exception for assistance animals, because in fact, refusing the animal is uh, impacting on the on the human uh, who's its handler. Uh, so, uh, you know, even in that situation, um, the 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 rules are not clear. But the law is unequivocal, and uh, I I think um, people use these things as an excuse because they don't want to have to deal with a uh, the situation of what they might regard as a pet. The number of drivers I've had say to me, I don't I don't have to take pets, and I. Um, you know, I just say, well, this is not a pet. This is an assistance animal. This is this animal is allowed to travel in your car, but they don't want to um, buy that distinction. So, Kim, what do you think um, are the answers for this denial of access uh, question? Um, is public education valuable, and and what can people do to um, assist with that sort of public education activity? I think it is important, and what you were saying before, Graham, about once you start talking to the person that might have said no to start with, they often come around. And that's what we find normally after a client or in Tasmania, the law is also that puppies in training have full access as well. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's state, most of the country. Yeah. And um, that once we start to talk to the hotel owner or ask for the manager of the restaurant to come out, they, they do turn around pretty quickly. And I love yeah. your one about the vote. Um, yeah, I reckon most of those yeah. patrons knew the law yeah. over the, yeah, yeah. the restaurant yeah, manager. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do think that when you start to explain it, you're right. They say, oh, well, I wasn't aware of that. So yeah. a lot of the accommodation, the public access areas are told if you have a dog, you're going to be breaking rules and all of that. They're yep. not being told, but if it's an assistance animal. Um, so I think that awareness is is really, really good. And we have yeah. noticed in the years when we've had a lot of awareness around campaigns or negative media because something unfortunately has happened to a client um, and the taxi companies or the hotel have ended up in the media because of it. We tend to have six months of great access. Yes, so, yep. I think just being out there promoting it, raising awareness. We've we've tried all sorts of things. We've tried say yes cards that our puppy raisers can hand out when they're going places to try and promote it and make it easier for our clients. I would say the biggest thing, and I say this to all of my clients, is that if you are refused, don't just think you're making it easier on yourself by going to the cafe next door. Let us know because then we can ring up and educate the place that's refused you and we can make it easier for the future. Um, and I know it's hard, but it might just be even just ringing us up and saying the name of the restaurant, the name of the accommodation. Yes, we can go somewhere else, but it's not educating that person that said yep. no. And it's not having an impact on that person that said no. So we'll do the hard work for you. We'll ring up, we'll educate, we'll send out the information. Just let us know what's happening. I think that's really important to to let someone know whether it's a guide dog organisation or whether it's the taxi or the rideshare company. Um, my experience has been pretty good. In fact, I know you've had a different experience, Vaughan. My experience has been pretty good with taxi and rideshare companies in terms of them addressing the problem um, when I've let them know. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, the thing you can do if you really feel um, strongly about it is to uh, pursue it with the 
discrimination authority in your state or territory uh, and they will follow them up and uh, they get a lot of positive results. I think the most disheartening thing that I get with being an instructor is going and doing your follow-up with your client and them saying, look, I just don't go on that bus anymore. I just don't go there anymore. Oh, yeah. I'll stop going to that meeting um, or no, I don't go because I've got to organise a taxi. And that's really disheartening to know that's that sad. someone yep. has has had such agony and discomfort yep. in trying yep. to access somewhere and they just don't do it anymore because it's difficult yeah. for them. And I encourage those clients to reach out and ask for help too. Look, we'll fight the fight for them. <laughs> we'll help yep. them get there. But please don't just sit at home. Um, let us help you. Let us give you that confidence to get out and about and do it again. Mm. Yeah, really important. And your local BCA branch can often be really helpful in um, in advocating in areas like this as well. You know, there's always somewhere that you can go to get assistance. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you're comfortable advocating for yourself, absolutely do that. Because as Graham uh, pointed out uh, earlier, if you can advocate on site and, and do it right then and there, it can often um, give you exactly the result that you intend without you having to suddenly work on changing your plans or, or what have you. So if you're comfortable yep. doing that, you know, that's absolutely appropriate as well. I'd like to thank both of you for being a part of the of this week's program and I think once again we celebrate another International Guide Dog Day and I think it is, as you've said, a really important thing to focus on and also to remember where the guide dog movement has come from and, and how it's got to the point that you know that we are now where it's recognized across the world and for for many years now has been Australia's most trusted charity so you know that says a lot about guide dogs and it says a lot about the work that the partnerships do and the work that the um the guide dog instructors and the and you know all of the fundraising and marketing and admin teams do in terms of ensuring that we have the right of access as guide dog users to any public place uh, across across Australia it's a pleasure, Vaughan. It's a, an important topic. Always happy to talk about it. Yes, and thank you, Vaughan. It's a really important topic and a great time of the year to be doing all this advocacy around it. Graham Innes and Kim Ryan, they're talking about International Guide Dog Day and what guide dogs mean to guide dog users and the public in general. If you're interested in taxi and rideshare services, Blind Citizens Australia's next BCA Inform event coming up on Tuesday the 4th of May is talking about taxi services and rideshare services. Why would you use them? Why would you choose to use one over the other? What are some of the advantages and the disadvantages of both? And of course we will talk about guide dog access and refusals etc because it seems to be becoming a hot topic just at the moment. That's Tuesday the 4th of May. If you'd like to know more information contact Blind Citizens Australia or have a look at the most recent member update and that will give you more information. If you'd like to contact BCA, 1800 033 is the telephone number, 1800 033 If you'd like to email bca at bca.org.au is the email address and of course the web address is bca.org.au. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream of our dreams